Disney Vault Talk presents Rebel Yell. Star Wars Rebels discussion and commentary. With your hosts, Teresa Delgado and Steve Wilson, and a few surprises along the way. And now, Disney Vault Talk's Rebel Yell. So there I was coming home uh, tonight and going to watch the episode again before uh, we recorded just to make sure I was fresh on it and everything. Haven't watched it since Sunday. And uh, as as I uh, turned on the Apple TV and fired up the episode, it said next one. And I'm like, yeah, I guess the next one, even though I've already watched it. And and suddenly there's stuff happening that I did not remember from the episode that I watched Sunday. And it dawned on me, I'm like, oh, I've got the second part of a To Be Continued? Did they air two episodes this past Saturday night? Sure enough, that's exactly what happened, and I didn't realize it until, oh, I don't know, about 45 minutes to an hour ago. And uh, so I'm fresh. I am fresh, at least on the second part of that episode. Uh, the episode we're talking about is Ghost of Geonosis. This is Rebel Yell. Welcome, everyone. I'm Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. And with me, as has been with me for most of this season, and will continue to be along with us for the rest of the season and hopefully beyond, ladies and gentlemen, my brother from another mother, Eris Chernovice. What's up, man? All right. And uh, so, so how did you guys did you guys manage the winter weather up there? Uh, it's fifty degrees again. So. Uh, yeah, isn't that crazy? It's like in the sixties down here. So. Um, good to have you along with us, brother. Good to be back with you, my brother. Talking some click clack. And of course, with us is the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk. We're so happy that she's here. Ladies and gentlemen, the lovely, the talented, the powerful, Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. Hey, so you told a story. So I'll tell a story okay. after we introduce our next person. Great. Good deal. Uh, also with us, and uh, glad to have with us, uh, from Star Wars Bookworms, from Bad Wolf Radio, uh, he's the man who I love to make smile. Ladies and gentlemen, our good friend Aaron Goins. Hey, Aaron. Hey, guys. Glad to have you with us, man. How are things? Things are great. That's good. That's good. You were left I, with quite quite a cliffhanger after that first episode. I was, and I thought, and I love it. I love to be continued. I love and I hate them. And so when I fired up this episode, I'm like, oh, did iTunes make a mistake? Am I getting something I'm not supposed to have? And then I did a little research and... No, I was just an idiot. Um, so that must have been really weird, it, like the that you just stopped on that note after the first part. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, <laughs> like, I just yeah, I just walked out and was done. And then next thing I know, here we go. So, um, Teresa, you said you have a story. I do. Right as we were getting ready to start recording, um, I got a phone call from my good friend Vanessa Marshall. Hello. So I had to put you guys on hold for a moment. But that's what we call I a name a really drop, cool ladies and gentlemen. Okay, what you got? Got a cool story. So she told me that she had to call me because when she was at the supermarket, right, before she got home today, 
she was in there and she was walking through an aisle and there was Queen Amidala herself. Oh, really? <laughs> and she she said she her knees actually buckled and she fell to the ground. <laughs> she knelt before Padme? Yes. Oh, wow. How embarrassing for her. She said she hoped she didn't see her is what she was saying. But uh, (laughs) yes, she was like, and she goes, I'm serious. And Natalie Portman was just standing right there in front of me. Buying some (laughs) lentils. And so did she talk to her? I don't think so. She just had she had to pick her. She had to crawl away before (laughs) Natalie saw her. What are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, bless Vanessa's heart. We love Vanessa around here. Um Hera from Star Wars Rebels. What a she she was. Uh, yeah, we got to get her back on Disney Vault Talk at some time too, because oh, she do. because she gave us one of our better bits. Boo, boo. So indeed. Well, also, Teresa, you've been celebrating your nephew's birthday today. I have. Yeah, he turned seven. His name is Luke. So that's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we love the kids and the Disney Vault Talk Arena. The Goliverse loves the kids. So any chance we have to talk to some kids, we take it. And Teresa talked to Luke. And this is, uh, this is what Luke had to say about Rebels and, Star- and all things Star Wars. Okay, Luke, who's your favorite character in Rebels? Kanan. Kanan? Why Kanan? I don't know. You don't know why? No. What's your favorite thing that he's done? Um, hmm. I don't really know. Okay, well, who's your favorite Star Wars character, period? What does that even mean? Like, out of all of the characters on Star Wars, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Um, all the Star Wars characters? Out of every Star Wars character, who's your favorite? Uh, Darth Vader. Why Darth Vader? Because I like the dark side. Because you like the oh, dark yeah. side? Yeah. What did What did you get for your birthday today? I what got star, big Star Wars thing did you get? A Star Wars Lego set. Yep, and what did you tell me? There's one rebel guy, and there's three bad dark bad guys, and what did you say? I'm going to beat them. You're going to beat the rebel guy? Yeah. With all three of your bad guys? Yeah. <laughs> How old are you today? Seven. Seven. How many times have you seen Rogue One? Two. Twice? Do you yeah. like it? Yeah. Do you know who your favorite character is? Um, Darth Vader. <laughs> what about K2SO? Okay, it's pretty good. <laughs> He's pretty good. He's okay. Okay, so say hi to everybody. Hi. Okay, thank you. Uh, Teresa's nephew, Luke, ladies and gentlemen. Happy birthday to Luke. And Teresa, thanks for thanks for snagging that audio for us. Good stuff. No problem. Good stuff. He was intrigued by the microphone and the computer, and he was like, what are you doing? Well, so. I've got an episode of Geek Out Loud coming up. i got to edit, but we've got Derek's little girl on, and she talks some Rogue One with me, and it is glorious. So... It's always good times to have us. But we're here not just to talk about the Rogue One, which I'm sure we'll get in there. And I'd asked you, and we talked a little bit before we started recording proper, about your thoughts on Rogue One. And uh, and, and you said something interesting as far as watchability goes. Not not to say that you don't enjoy it. 
Talk to us about your Rogue One experience. Did you enjoy it? Uh, what are some of your big takeaways from it? Um, yeah, I really liked it a lot. I I had kind of lower expectations because I just because of the subject matter of the movie, I mm-hmm. just didn't know if it was going to be like my Star Wars. But I went in and just really enjoyed the heck out of it, and thought it added some great characters to the canon. Didn't keep too many of them around, but it added them. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was good. But what what I was saying earlier, as far as rewatchability was with like the force awakens i was able to kind of go back and watch that movie a lot of times and mm-hmm. never really get tired of it but for rogue one I, it just doesn't have that same effect on me hmm. okay i'm like four four viewings in and kind of already yeah. done with uh needing to see it in the theater now how would you define when you say your star wars how would you define that for yourself there's no jedi in it <laughs> yeah this this is an opportunity for Teresa to make fun of me about this again but um yeah Pretty much Jedi, lightsabers, mm-hmm. the Force, yeah. uh, Sith, that kind of thing. Okay, the, the cool. spiritual side of it. Yeah. I, and there was, I, I know, you know, there was the Force in yeah, yeah. Rogue One, but not not quite to the level I typically like to see sure. in Star Wars. Sure. See, I really, I kind of felt the fingerprints of the Force all over this thing. Um, and not just because of Chirrut and Bays, but just knowing kind of where this story goes and knowing what these events set off. Um you know, it, to me, I'm like, well, this is the moment where the force begins to move in such a way that, you know, things are about to start really happening to lead to that ultimate moment in Return of the Jedi uh, to bring it back into the balance. And um, and that was one of, that was a thought that struck me around my second or third viewing. I'm like, there are no Jedi, but the force is to me really present in this thing and and really moving. But um, that's interesting. And uh, you know the. A lot of people, I think their big takeaway from what I've, people I've been talking to and hearing stuff, you know, the big takeaway is that Vader scene at the end. And I'm like, I always forget to talk about that Vader scene at the end when I start talking Rogue One, because there's so much else to me that's going on. So um, I, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. And it's I, I'm really interested to kind of hear the watchability situation. I'd be interested if I get to see it again in the theaters, if I kind of feel the same way, uh, because I can see where you're coming from. I totally get that. But um, so we're going to get into, speaking of Rogue One, we're getting into an episode of Rebels that has a lot to do with Rogue One, simply because of one character, that being Saul Guerrero. Teresa, what was your um, just initial thoughts and, and overall feelings about the, these episodes? Well, hang Oh. Um, y'all just, just go to somebody else. Everyone get quiet. Hang on. Teresa's not talking. Uh, Aaron, overall, since we were talking to you, overall thoughts and stuff about this, these episodes. I was pretty excited about these episodes because of just seeing Rogue One and seeing Saul in Rogue One. And to me, like when I watched Rogue One, that character was really odd to me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know more about him, like what got him to the point where he's just at that level of crazy that you see him at in Rogue One. (laughs) And so I was kind of hoping that that Rebels would kind of fill that in a little bit. Maybe some something's going to happen to him in these episodes. Maybe we'll find out how he lost his leg. And so I had high hopes for it, but it kind of didn't really do much more for the character. He was there, but you didn't really find out much more about him. Yeah, Um well, I want to talk about that in a little bit and, and get more in detail with that because I, I do think there are some takeaways. I don't think all the gaps are filled in, but I, I definitely think that there were some things fleshed out that 
may not have been so fleshed out in in Rogue One about Saw Gerrera. Erish, what what were your overall thoughts and takeaways from this from these episodes? Um, first, I just want to preface that, like anything I say during the show tonight, is purely my fanboy perspective and opinion. It's not influenced by any insider knowledge Mm -hmm. that I may or may not have. But basically I think now that rogue one is out and because, because of just the nature of what the rebels show is, I'm really excited about, about the possibility of what we're going to see the rest of this season. If they're going to do a season next year, whatever, like I, I feel like the, that Rogue One has kind of opened the floodgates for them, that they're mm-hmm. going to be able to start doing a lot more. Yeah. Um, and so these two episodes with Saw, while I kind of agree with Aaron, they weren't as strong as I hoped they would be, I was still excited about how all of a sudden the Rebel show is... It, 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 it's almost as if it's existing in a much larger universe. Yes, yes. There was... There was a lot of connective threads in this episode that that go into the novels, go into the comics, go into the movies. That even though there are minor minor little things, like it's part of the much bigger picture that that really is what Star Wars is becoming now. It's mm-hmm. not just the story that's told through the movies, like things that happen in the movies and in the comics and the show. It's all like coming together and all making sense telling this much bigger grander story and that's that's what i really took away from this episode is that i have a i have a sense that we're really going to start seeing a lot more of that Mm -hmm. yeah and and i also think it worked well like if you haven't seen rogue one or you know if you're not interested in much of the story outside of just what's in rebels in the movie i think it really worked well as kind of its own thing as well um, that you know now we're introduced again. If you knew Clone Wars, you're introduced again to Saul. If you didn't know Clone Wars, you're introduced to Saul for the first time, and um, and and you do learn a learn a touch about him, and uh, and and come away with that. But you said something really interesting that as far as it, it is almost like this this episode really did feel like that Filoni and company are now off the leash um, that they that they had to hold back a lot and now it seems like just these two episodes really felt like that there is a veil that's been lifted that is going to allow them to spill out into bigger things and not have to move so cautiously necessarily uh between now and whenever they wrap this series up um and uh and and it, I, you know and and I didn't think about that until you just were saying that and I'm like you know it really did have kind of that kind of feel to it um, well, we certainly we certainly got that sense too in the the trailer that they released. Yes, what a week yes, ago. Yeah, you know, Mon Mothma was in it. Uh, Saw Gerrera was in it. You know, a lot of things that that tied more into what we saw in Rogue One and that we know of from A New Hope and mm-hmm. stuff like that. We're seeing a lot more visual references yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, in the uh, in the episode guide for this one, the you know the 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 art gallery that they put up. There was concept art for uh, your boy General Dodna. Mm-hmm. Um, you know for the animated version yeah. of him. So I think we're going to be seeing him coming up in an episode. Yes. Um, and it's just you know it, 
it's it's painting it, it's a much bigger canvas that they have to work with now yeah and it's and it's really exciting considering where we've come from i mean when you think about you know the first season being mostly centered centered around lethal and and just little uh little little shots and jabs here and there that they were taking to the empire to now you know we're this is the second time we visited geonosis on this on the show we've got Thrawn involved. We we've seen Vader. We've been to a Sith, basically a Sith planet, if you will. We've we've been all over the galaxy and and met all kinds of new characters and and experienced new things that that it just seems to not not just getting bigger, but as you said, also kind of funneling us toward that moment in time of Episode Four, which um, which I just I mean I'm super stoked about. And there was some stuff that happened here in this episode that I was pretty super stoked about too. Teresa, are you back with us yet? Yep. Okay, what are your overall thoughts and takeaways from this episode? Well, I like what everybody else has said, but I don't want to, like, sort of double up on it. I do agree, though. I think it's really cool, kind of the way everything can interact. But if we're just talking about these two episodes, um, I wish that there was not a fourth wall and that I could have stepped through my TV and punched Saw in the face (laughs) and... uh, not allowed him to treat somebody like that. And I just, I was screaming at them the whole time. Um, I needed something, somebody to do something because Ezra was clearly not strong enough to deal with Saw. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I used to like Saw. I liked him in the Clone Wars and, you know, for Rogue One, I was kind of like, okay, something's going on with this guy. I'm not really sure. And now I'm just like, yep. Yeah. I don't like him at all. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good riddance right now. <laughs> I, I get the sense that we're not supposed to like him. I know, and but it's just like I really, I think I would be able to handle it better if I could connect the dots. To quote Aaron from our uh, review that we wrote on Jedi News, but I need to be able to connect those dots of what's going on with him because right now I don't understand him, mm-hmm. and. I'm just really ticked at him right now. I mean, he's like on uh, Mace Windu level right now. Done. Done. Well, it, 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 it's, I think he represents like the, the far extreme that you can go. His, his intentions are noble, but he is just so consumed and obsessed with the end goal that he's losing sight of the, of why they're doing this. And, you know, and they kind of say it in this. You know, if you do this, then you're no different than the Empire. Yeah, you know, I've got um, got a friend, and he's listening right now, and and I don't like to drop his name because he just enjoys it too much when I do. But Scott Riven and I were talking, and and one of the things that Riven was, you know, always likes to bring up is how, um, and he's not incredulous about it or he doesn't disagree with it, but just kind of the. The point that seems to be that keeps being made in Rogue One about Saul Guerrero and his extremism, you know, but yet these are rebels and how as rebels can you, you know, condemn someone for being an extreme. And I feel like we see that in spades in this because Saul does not care about the eradication of an entire race of people that against all odds, this this race is hanging on and Saul is willing to to see that go away um, if it means he gets the answers he's looking for, and yeah, but that's just straight up selfish. 
Well, it I mean, is. that doesn't make you a good person. No. I mean, just because mm-hmm. like other people are doing that to you doesn't mean that you should do that to them. And I, I, I think that's supposed to be our takeaway from this. Yeah. And, and I think that he doesn't care what people think of him and he doesn't think all that much of himself. Yeah, well, I would agree with you. He doesn't think that much of himself. And, like, you know, it's fine if you don't care about what people think of you. I think that's one thing. But being okay with yourself in treating other people and other races like trash is not okay. Like, ugh, God. <laughs> it's too real world, y'all. Like, one of the it's things... way too real world. <laughs> One of the things that I find interesting about these episodes and Rogue One, when you're looking at them as a whole, is we get a whole new perspective on the rebellion. You know, when we see the rebellion in the original trilogy, you know, they're like the they're the good guys. They're straight up the good guys. There's no mm-hmm. gray ground there. But in these movies, you see certain rebels are more extreme. Like even in uh, Rogue One, you have that guy. I forget the guy's name, but the guy that basically gives Cassian the order to kill. Uh, Urso, when he sees him, you know there there are these, the the rebellion is full of people from all walks of life who have seen the war in different ways, and who are handling it in different ways to defeat the empire. It's not all these like really righteous good guys. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't I think that what you had with the with the uh, with the sergeant, whatever his name was. That was telling Cassie, let's diverge into a Rogue One, shall we? Uh, I think he was he was making a very military decision, though. Um, General Draven, I believe, is his name, and um, and I think that I think what was happening there was he was just making a very military decision. Like this is a threat, you know. Uh, they didn't realize the extent to which they didn't realize the Death Star was done and and ready to go operational and so his idea i think was if we can take out galen then we can stop this production we can slow it down until we can figure something else out with saul it is it is extreme it is you know because i don't i think put in the same situation that draven wouldn't be like yeah let's let's threaten the egg of a queen you know a a queen insectoid from geonosis a queen geonosian uh and and threaten the extinction of this entire race just to get this information from. I don't think that he would have done that. And I think that um, the fact that someone like Draven, who is on the side of Mon Mothma for the most part, who s- separated himself from Saul, that it, it, there's a difference, is, is I guess what I'm saying, between that. Oh, definitely. Between, I wasn't saying yeah. that they were the same type of character. I'm just saying that we're seeing the realities yeah. of war. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, it's not just black and white. We're seeing right. all, like the even Cassian, of, all the different shades of gray right. that right. make up the rebellion. Even like Cassian shot a man in the back, you know. There's, it's not, it's not your original trilogy version of the rebels. We're right. getting to see a whole new version of them, right? Which is fine, and I totally, I like that. I think I'm just having a really hard time with taking a character that I really liked in Saw, and now this is the version that we're getting without any backstory for me to understand why he's the way he is. I think Well, but but they gave us a little bit of backstory in this episode because they explained that you know the, the Geonosians were separatists. They built the weaponry that led to his sister's death. They're working for the Empire building some sort you know, they they we know that they're building the Death Star, but 
our characters on the show don't know that. They just know that they were working on something. There, there's enough there that you know Saw lost his his sister, his family, his entire planet, in part because of the Geonosians working with the Separatists and the Empire. So that I think that's fueling a little bit of his his fire and his anger and his wrath towards click clack in this episode yeah but also i mean i think that the moment we met when we met saul back on Underon in in the clone wars he was a bit of a loose cannon he was yes. you know he he was his own man he was doing his own thing what the jedi tried to tell him you know be darned that and and he's part of the reason that his sister is dead um and and so I think that really plays into I think there's a lot we can infer uh from like just the the time we've spent with Saul between Clone Wars Rebels and now Rogue One if you just take those mm-hmm. appearances of him I think there's a lot we can infer but then when you add something like if you've read Catalyst into that you know you you see that this is a guy who he spent his entire life doing nothing but fighting and yep. at some point what that's caused him to do is um is is miss the mark of the mission like in his mind the eradication of the empire is key and he doesn't care who he steps over to do that and in some ways that makes him just as bad as the bad guy and i don't think that you know we're meant to like this guy i think we're meant to be scared of this guy yes so i'm not sure if it was for me i mean i agree with y'all i think it's just you know i'm i'm being completely honest, this just rang too close to home for me with things that are going on in our real life that I just, you know, and and it's different maybe for me than it is for you guys, you know, and not to bring in all of the diversity stuff, but it just happened to be a girl who also happens to be a minority. And so there's just stuff here for me that I think hits me differently and so it's just like I, I get everything that you're saying. It I just don't think these are episodes that I can actually like, especially part two, that I can rewatch and like feel okay about it. Wait, you like, thought you thought Click Clack was a female? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm saying I am. So like, oh, okay. like the way that no, maybe. Well, well, maybe but, no, I, I, there's I, I, an egg. But the, th- but the but thing is, no, no, I'm just a- I'm just asking because I hadn't thought about. I mean, it's possible that Click Clack was a female. I don't know, or maybe the men in Geonosian carry eggs or take care of them, like male penguins do. Well, I mean, if if Click Clack is the last Geonosian, then you know, it's going to fall on Click Clack <laughs> to take care of that egg, if if the species is going to go on. So I don't think it's got to do with whether it's a male or female's responsibility to do it. It's the last Geonosian. Right. No, I I was just, I was just for a second there. I was like, Oh, well, like click, click could have been a female, I guess. So I don't know. I just found that interesting. (laughs) Well, I guess I didn't mean to take away from your point. No, I guess my point, Teresa is I feel like they've done their job then that you're supposed to just be really uncomfortable by what, you know, and disturbed by what Saul is doing. Exactly, which is why these episodes are definitely good. And 
I've always said that a movie or a TV show or something or even a book is good if it gets me emotional and I'm invested. Mm -hmm. And so they're great. They're absolutely great episodes. I just don't think it's going to be my go-to. Like I'm going to sure. sit down and just pick up Ghost of Geonosis Part 2. Right. Um, no. <laughs> Let's plug this in for a feel-good Friday night. Well, let me ask you this, Aaron, because, Aaron, this brings up a really good point as we talk about Click Clack and Saw and the whole situation there. Um, and it's brought to it, and it's brought up on the uh, the website under the episode guide is that, you know, they made – they did the work and did something that has never really been attempted to create a sympathetic Geonosian. Um, does does this paint a, maybe... Number one, let me ask you this, because I know you're the bookworms guy, you and Teresa. Have you read Catalyst, Aaron? Yes. Okay. And go ahead, and you can even couple your... I have your... to say that, because Arish is on here. Sure. Oh, so have you not read it? <laughs> no, I've read it. Okay. We, we no, it. no we we've read it. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in taking that into account, you know, if you want to, does this episode, does it kind of maybe change the way you look at Geonosians? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the Geonosian race, uh, they, as they've been presented to us previously, have always kind of been, you know, the bad guys. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time we're getting to see, and, you know, obviously any race in Star Wars you're going to have, you know, the innocents, the people that aren't to blame for, you know, some of the atrocities of their race. And I think this is an example of that. You know, he's yeah. a he's a lower caste. He doesn't have wings. He's he's a drone or whatever. Whatever he is, he he probably wasn't one of the ones, you know, in the uh, in the arena killing Jedi. Um, he he cares about protecting eggs, you know. So, yeah, it, it definitely paints the it, it paints the the Geonosians in a different light just to to show us that you know they're they're all types of Geonosians. Ares, do you He's think not a he. It is a he. I think they refer to him as he a number of times. Ares, do you think it's an intentional parallel? But you know, with the obviously this was a, a creative challenge for them to try to make, you know, a Geonosian sympathetic. And I think they did a really good job. I mean they almost made him look cute, you know? Um but do you think there's a parallel here between what we see, even like with something like Order 66, where these heroes have now become the villains and and the Geonosians have kind of been betrayed by the Empire? They're now the victims. Um, you know, they, they trusted Count Dooku and then they, you know, would trust Krennic later. And now, you know, they've been gassed, as far as the Empire knows or cares, to extinction. Um you know, is 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 there an intentional parallel there between what happens maybe around Revenge of the Sith? Do you think? Um. Well, I think that by by casting Click Clack as the sympathetic character, I think that by doing that, they're they're making they're they're making the Empire look even more evil. Because basically what, what I took from this episode, especially when they find the canisters down, hidden way down in the bottom of the cavern, is that basically the way I saw it was the Empire wiped out all the Geonosians so that they couldn't talk about the Death Star. Yeah. Right. You know, that exactly. It's still their secret project. You know, Krennic hasn't... Because at this point... 
at this point, from what from what I got from the 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 episode guide on StarWars.com, mm-hmm. in, in talking about Saw Gerrera, it said that uh, it it says that over the course of the next two years, he's going to lose his leg and develop the respiratory mm-hmm. problems that he has. So that tells me that this episode takes place two years before Rogue One, right? And so at this point, you know, from reading Catalyst, from seeing Rogue One, we know that Krennic is still working. He, he the Death Star super laser is not working yet. Mm-hmm, right. So they don't want the galaxy to know about this thing until it's fully operational. So they're basically covering their tracks. They keep hiding this thing away, the Death Star. And so they've wiped out basically the entire population of Geonosians so that they can't talk about the Death Star. Right. That's some freaking evil stuff yes, to do. Yeah. Just to cover your secret, you're destroying an entire race and basically eradicating an entire planet to cover up the secret of your super weapon. And I think that that's the point that they were trying to make mm-hmm. by making him the sympathetic character, presumably the last Geonosian, trying to protect the egg that this is how bad the Empire is. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I kind of inferred that from the last time we were at Geonosis on the, in the episode where um, Zeb and Callus end up on the moon of Geonosis together. Uh, you know, I, when they said there were no signs of life, I kind of inferred the Empire wiped them all out so they wouldn't talk about the Death Star. Um, oh, was that the Geonosis episode? Yes. The Zeb and Callus one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they and I'd they were up on that one. Yeah, and they were up on the moon and uh right. and, and when they got to Geonosis they were saying that well there's nothing there's no life here. And I just kind of always inferred well the, the Empire did that. It was almost humorous. Um he would draw the circle with the little circle in it and like the first time it's like, Well maybe he's talking about Geonosis itself. Maybe he's talking about the egg. Oh, this is what he was talking about, these big toxic gas canisters. And so they leave happy with that and you're just sitting there thinking, No man, no. You are screwed. You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Click Clickback could have done a little better of a job, you know, explaining what he was trying to do there. He would have been I saw your Pictionary. Tweet. I saw your tweet you saw that? that he would be horrible at Pictionary, and I completely disagree with you. He drew the Death Star. Yeah, but they don't. He did. That means nothing to people. Like, uh, two circles means nothing. He's got to draw, like, a little laser blowing up a planet or something. Maybe he doesn't know about that. That's not going to help them. And the laser doesn't exist yet. Or a weapon. I don't know. But the other thing, too, is, like, Ezra seemed to understand him sometimes. But, you know, he could not. I feel like there could have been better communication between him and Ezra because there was a point where they were asking Ezra what he was saying. He's like, oh, he wants to stay on the planet, and I think there's somewhere he wants to put this egg or whatever. Like, if you can understand that much, why can't you understand he's trying to tell you about there, there's a weapon? Well, here's... well, the reason he couldn't is because Saw kept getting in the way and didn't let Ezra do his thing that Ezra does. He kept yelling, yeah. screaming, and being all, you know, like, I want to do it my way. I'm going to steal your ship. You're not going to steal that phantom, I'll tell you what. <laughs> We've already lost one. But now, Teresa, let me ask you this: Doesn't with the with the Ezra thing to, to kind of push back on Aaron? Do you think that it's Ezra being able to kind of sense the feelings and emotions and desires more than actually having a language with him? Because we've seen that Ezra's able to make connections in the past. 
It's probably just a connection, but I don't like to give Ezra too much credit. I, you know what? I've discovered that I really, I am not an Ezra fan. Like I, you know. Tell us about I, that a little bit. What? Tell us about that a little bit. There's something about Ezra, and I don't exactly know what it is, but I don't know if it's the way that he's played by the voice actor that plays him or what it is, but Ezra, to me, seems really dry. There's no emotion there except for when he's going down the dark side. That's the only time that I really even like him because it's the only time I can connect with him emotionally because otherwise he's just very neutral. Um I can't really, uh, there's just like, there's this block. It's almost kind of like how I couldn't really relate to Sabine in season one and partway through season two. But now she's really got an awesome personality and I can connect with her, but I cannot connect with Ezra. And so I just, he's there and I'm like, okay. I mean, probably one of the best scenes in this whole entire two-parter episode is right at the beginning when he's like talking about the mission and Sabine just hits him on the back of the head for being... yeah. (laughs) lame and i was like thank you (laughs) well that also took me back to like the very first couple of episodes of rebels remember they used to hit each other all the time they were they were it was either uh ezra hitting zeb zeb hitting ezra uh chopper smacking somebody like that just took me right back to those days of like oh yeah they do like to smack each other around a little bit they are very three stooges well even the imperial captain slapped the guy on the back of the head he like gave her a report she didn't like and she like smacked him on the back of the head. <laughs> I so, missed that but, part. I'm, I, that, but, but, but I gotta say, the the best scene in this two part episode was the predator handshake between uh, Saw and Rex. Oh yeah, yeah the the big the the, the close up the hand right out of Predator. Yeah, we like to call that in the wrestling fan community the superpowers handshake. Superpowers or the mega handshake. the mega powers yeah. handshake the mega powers yep. handshake yeah the mega powers Hogan and Macho oh yeah 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 gonna come down here to Geonosis oh yeah gonna oh it's got some gas flying around taking out some what? bugs yeah what you gonna do when <laughs> Saw Guerrero goes wild on you well we're gonna blow up his 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 planet uh <laughs> what we're gonna do oh my God it's beautiful um. So, anyhow, back to this episode. Sorry I went down that tangent, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> Aaron, what are they going to do with the shield generator, by the way? I mean, that seemed to be kind of like, a, well, we've got to have something for Zeb and Sabine to do. Yeah. I hope it ties into something later on. I think it might. It, it did seem like a, a very much a, a filler part of the episode to to give them something. I mean, Sabine... You know, don't get me wrong, had some awesome moments later on, mm-hmm. but Zeb pretty much didn't have much to do, so maybe they just needed needed that. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I completely disagree. I think that in, in terms of the success of this mission, that was the best thing that they got out of it. Mm-hmm. Was oh, they true. they yeah, got themselves a shield generator for their base now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Rebels... That, that's a valuable piece of military equipment for them. That yeah, could the... save lives. 
the Rebels crew is sort of like the little scrappy scavengers. They have to go and get all the pieces, get fuel cells, get deflector cores or whatever. So I think that's just natural for them. Um, I think it also gave Sabine a chance to shine to show that like she can literally do anything. Oh, yeah, let me just like rewire this and connect it to that thing and like minimize the field and boom. And I'm just like, yep, you're brilliant. Well, and not only that, but when she does break bad later on in the episode that Aaron, as Aaron was mentioning, um, she was suddenly this unstoppable force of nature. And and I'm like, well, where did that come from? She just needed she, that jetpack. That's a that's like a Mandalorian thing. They're they're not themselves. They're not their full. They can't reach their full potential until they get their jetpack. Okay. And so once she got that, she's. I love the reaction of the rest of the the crew as they're standing on top of the ghost. And she flies up there, and I forget who said it. I think it was Ezra. It was kind of like, Ezra. Oh, they got it coming. You know, like he, they all kind of just stood back and watched and let her take yeah. over, which I thought was amazing. Well, Kanan has a really funny line. He's like, well, what's she doing? What's going on? Because he can't see. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> it um, was kind of similar to the line that Chirrut has in Rogue One where he's like, you know, are you kidding? I'm are you blind. kidding? My blind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this. Uh, but yeah, when she did that, I. I, I don't know. I'm kind of like, so why couldn't these Jedi deflect the blast back at these guys? What? Did they, I don't. You know, maybe I was miscounting how many uh, rocket troopers actually were coming down into the hole there. But it was just kind of like, well, that that seems like a like an easy fix by her. Um, are we going to see Saw again in Rebels? Do you think, Aaron? I I don't know. I feel like I heard that he's coming back. I don't know why, like if I read something or what. So that, I don't know. I wouldn't have guessed that we would have seen him again, but maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really care to see him again. Oh, really? Necess- unless, well, you know, so we're talking about that scene. So I guess we can go there on top of the ghost and, and they start throwing those thermal detonators or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you see the one that like lands in between his legs, like right at his feet. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment there where I'm like, oh, are we going to see this? Like, is he, is this going to blow up and, like, take his leg out, like, right here? I was kind of excited about that prospect, as, as morbid as that sounds. But I, just, I wanted it to mean something. I wanted it to add to his story. So um, maybe we'll get him come back and we, we see maybe that event happen or mm-hmm. what. Really I, hadn't even thought, I hadn't even thought about that. But, yeah, that's totally a little tease there that, uh, that his leg might get blown off. I, I don't know. I don't know I think... why his eyes have changed color three times. Yeah. Well, because because he's because of all the stuff he's seen in the galaxy. <laughs> so your eyes get to change color. Why doesn't that happen in real life? Well, because we Maybe don't live in that galaxy. Underonians yeah. eyes change color as they yeah. age. Yeah. Come on. Come on, Teresa. I th- it's got to be an in-universe explanation. Yeah. I think we'll see him again, and I think we'll see him again just because he represents the far extreme of mm-hmm. what the rebellion could be. Yeah, you know, it, it makes for an interesting contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that there's still some decent stories that you could tell with him. Sure, sure. Um, I'd like to see, you know, maybe a year down the road where we have, you know, he's assembled like his new crew. You know, with uh, two tubes and and his uh, his uh, egg mate, and um, you know the the big hairy white thing. Yeah, the mini wampa. 
Yeah. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see some adventures with that guy. I, I kind of yep. dig him. And the little guy. I guess it was played by Warwick Davis. Like the little. Yes. Guy looked like he was straight out of Critters or something. Um, yeah, I, def- I definitely want to see that. Um, I don't know. I, I. It's funny how we as Star Wars fans will take every bit of minutia we can. So, yeah, we want to know how he lost his leg. We want to know why he ends up in the. <laughs> You know, but that's just kind of how we do things. Um, I want to know why he can't breathe. Probably the same incident that lost him his leg. I would imagine. Possibly, or maybe like gas or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I think that there's still some interesting stories to be told with him. So. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know. Well, I think um, it's I, the creepy laugh that I don't want to hear again. Yeah, yeah that, that laugh was kind of strange. Dead. It was unnerving. <laughs> and he's being all like a bully and mean and evil one second, and then that giggle laugh the next. It's like, all right, dude, you are yeah. creeping me out. Well, you you think we'll get to see him meet Borgullet? Borgullet? <laughs> I, I, I never want to see Borgullet again. That thing was disturbing. Oh, oh. Oh, for all the right reasons you don't want to see Borgullet again or because you just didn't like it? I just found it really disturbing. Mm, like I do a certain bird. Yes. Don't you know? The next Marvel miniseries, The Adventures of Saul and Borgullet. Mm. Borgullet? Is no, Borgullet... Steel Pecker and Borgullet. Steel Pecker and Borgullet, yes. No. The, team up, the team up to end all team ups. Let me ask you, let me ask you guys something this, because uh, have you read the Rogue One novelization, Aaron? Uh, I don't tend to like novelization so no right. i haven't okay i haven't well Eric, this, that this may be a question for you since you've since you've worked on the novelization and it's nothing spoiler or speculative is borgullet a, a a sentient being or is he like an animal honestly i don't remember okay because i don't know either borgullet one tends to lose one's mind um <laughs> Maybe maybe the visual guide covers it. I'll yeah. I'll break that I out. Don't, I don't have the old visual guide. You got the visual guide in front of you there. Mine's in the office. Yeah, I got it over here. I'll start flipping through it while you guys talk. Well, let's uh, let's. I don't I don't but really. Maybe maybe the board gullet's name is Bob. I'm Bob Borgullet. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> Adrian Two Tubes is going for a going for a lunch run. Bob, you want anything? Borgullet. Bob. Just trying to say hi. I want some pizza. Uh, Borgullet, what you want? He wants a brain. Um, I, I don't really have anything else on this, Teresa. You got any any other things? Because I do want to talk about the trailer just a touch, if we can. Um, hmm. Hmm. No, not really. I think I've said pretty much everything. I mean, like I said, they're good episodes. But yeah. I just need to see. I've seen them enough. I was glad to, I was, I was glad to get to see Harris show out a little bit. I, I still don't feel like we've gotten enough hair this season. No. no, I don't. I don't feel like we have either. Although she did have some really good moments mm-hmm. where she sort of pushed back on Saw. Not enough, though. Like I wanted to see that side of Hera. That's like, no, you listen. Right. Right. This right. is my ship, my way. Get off. Well, she kind of did that until he until he held the whole civilization hostage. Well, um, yeah, but then she should have just, you know, done some real cool Twilight oh. thing and like rolled and like kicked him in the leg and then was like, like on know. Ace, like on Ace Ventura when Nature calls, quick, get the lights and rolls around the, and crawls around the lights, man, the lights. 
crawls back. I'm yeah, sorry. That's my... something awesome. Like mm-hmm. that would have been really cool. Or if Sabine could have, you know, used her new massive jetpack powers and is like, boom, you know, like, I don't think so. Um, Erish, we did get some prequel, some fun prequel references. Uh, when... I love yeah, the line. Stan, I love the, uh, he's no Skywalker. Yes, that he's no, great he's, he's no Skywalker. And then, and then is, and then Sabine, when they're talking about sand, having gunked up one of the cannons on the ghost, Sabine says the sand gets everywhere. And yeah, that was great. I laughed so hard. I love it. I love that it's, uh, because I have a theory and my theory is that Lucasfilm and the story group in particular are subversively, um, trickling little things like this here and there uh to keep the prequels alive and very much in the forefront of people's minds um oh yeah that that they that that they though though the uh public line is oh yeah we're moving forward that that they continuously do little things here and there to be like oh yeah but the prequels happen and we love them so forget all you people um Eric, Maybe got... they planted Natalie Portman at the grocery store for Vanessa. <laughs> I can't believe she didn't at least say hi, Natalie. We... I know well, it's like we're we're, we're we're sisters in Star Wars, though. Yeah, we have a connection. Yeah, but but Natalie Portman is like the prequel version Portman. of Harrison Natalie... Ford for the original. <laughs> yeah, Natalie Portman pretends like she had absolutely nothing to do with Star Wars. Yeah. She's she acknowledges like, like every other movie she's ever made except for the prequel. She'll trilogy. she'll come around. She'll come around one day. Just give her time. They all go through it a little bit. Um, Eris, you got anything else uh, to kind of conclude? Uh, just you know, talked about the connectivity earlier, and you know, for folks who may have read the Vader comic, um, there is an issue where. Vader is back on Geonosian and encounters the Geonosian queen. And it's very possible that that queen is the egg. Um, Wait, is the, the Geonosian in the egg? Yes. Oh, that the queen that, cause, and the queen, the queen has some, she's not like completely, uh, developed not like a hundred percent and it may be because of the trauma that this egg went through mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like know, almost that, getting you know, shot okay sort of but yeah mm. so it's just you know and again it's a little connectivity thing yeah um where now you know you go from the the movie to the, the cartoon series and now into the comics so yeah no i love that I also love that Pablo said that Vader at this point in time of Rebels already has his castle. Yes. That well, was and cool. not only at this point, but in the at the, the end of season one, where they're mm-hmm. at Mustafar, that the castle is there. And when they talk about that this is a place where many Jedi have died, that's the reason. Because mm-hmm. of Vader's castle. Mm. Um, and again, he says that you know, this is something that they've been wanting to talk about for a while, but, you know, haven't been able to because of Rogue One. So the cat's kind of out, and that's yet another thing that they might be able to go back and do some stuff with. Um, yeah, just it, 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 I went back through just reading through parts of Catalyst again this morning in the, in the office, and there's just there's a whole ton of stuff about the Geonosians and their involvement with 
building the Death Star in there that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, like Poggle want... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say if people want more on that, definitely check out Catalyst if you haven't read it yet. Yeah. Well Poggle Lesser basically leaves all of his people to die. <laughs> he like takes off, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He uses them to uh to start a riot on part of the the Death Star that they've been working on, and the riot is his distraction to escape and go back to uh, to Count Dooku. Because this was, you know, they started building the Death Star while the Clone War was still going on. Right. Um, and so then we see Poggle the Lesser along with the other Separatist leaders all killed at the end of Revenge of the Sith when, when Darth Vader destroys them all. But that's how he got there. Um... It's also interesting too that that the the Imperial or you know Krennic as part of the the Republic, like they don't they don't they believe that the Death Star plans fell into their hands during the Battle of Geonosis. You know, and they believe that Dooku is building another Death Star. That you know that the plans came from him and the separatists, and so it, at the beginning of the construction of the Death Star, there they believe that it might be a race that they have to get theirs completed before the separatists complete theirs. They don't because they don't know about Sidious. They don't know about you know the plot that we see at the end of Attack of the Clones, where Dooku takes the plans from. Uh, from Pago Lesser and delivers them to Sidious. And so I just thought that that was kind of an interesting perspective on it. This whole kind of where did the plans originate from? Are the Separatists, do they have a set of plans of their own? Are they building a Death Star of their own? I just thought that that was uh, a little interesting thing too that plays into the whole construction of the Death Star. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm, I'm now fully immersed in in the death star history i think <laughs> until we start talking about where did death star 2 come from aaron you got any uh any any final comments or things we missed did you find anything out about borg gullet uh the borg gullet is not in the visual dictionary which i think is a crime hmm. so i'm going to send pablo an email and okay. complain all right but um no i think we we didn't talk about kanan you oh, know, yeah. we got that scene where he uses a force in a way that i don't think we've really seen him that powerful before in the force where he literally could just you know stop this giant rock in midair and kind of shift it the way he wants um i thought that was a pretty cool use of uh, a jedi's power and uh really showing how powerful kanan has become yeah it was must have been just that um mid-season break he just magically got superpowers or something like well, I mean, it wore him out. Uh, granted, he made the big jump right after. Yeah, it, I, l- I mean, I'm not out. complaining. I love it. I I love it when the, I love to see the Jedi really, you know, use their powers. And you know, there's a the whole idea that you know maybe that's not something he could do at any moment, any time. You know, it's something where the Force was kind of with him in that moment. But um, I thought that that whole part was really cool. I love the interaction between Saul. And Rex and him, where he he's like, well, where, how's Kanan going to get across? And Kanan just leaps the entire thing. He's like, oh, I forgot they could do that. Yeah, <laughs> he's no Skywalker. Right, I heard you. You know that whole interaction was just really good, yeah. really funny. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that was some good stuff. So, um, well, let's let's move to this trailer really quickly, and just I don't want to break it down because you know that's been done to death in a million different places. But there was a lot of exciting stuff in this trailer, and some stuff that, quite frankly, I I just don't care about, if we can be honest. But um, <laughs> but but we'll get there. I guess the big takeaway from the trailer is is the end. But is there anything else other than the Kenobi Mall moment for you, Teresa? In that. <laughs> anything else in the Kenobi mall moment. That's funny. Um, it's more like, did Teresa remember anything else right, besides right. the yeah. Kenobi mall exactly, moment? Exactly. I didn't. No, Teresa, I didn't. Teresa should be nervous right now, right? Because she's in love with Darth Maul well, and he's about know, to be beheaded be by end. Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm yeah, pretty sure. I guess that's my question, Teresa. What happens if, if this is it for Maul? And it's it from all. I mean, I've already seen him like be killed like three times. Um, you know, so is it really it for him? Probably not. He's got like five more lives left or something. No, if there's I, nine. I think if he goes down, uh, this is um, it. they're going to make it definitive this time. Yeah, I think if he goes yeah, down, okay, this well, is like, it. Okay, well, like, here's the thing though is if he goes down, they'll just he's... take his brain and they'll put it in like that droid that opens the, the gate to Jabba's palace. I think that was a Dark Horse comic. Yeah, <laughs> that was a that was a Star Wars tale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so here's uh, if he if he is killed by Obi Wan Kenobi, then I think it's going to be fitting because it will be the end of his story. It's back where it began. It's it's you know he's back with Obi Wan, and there's this sense of closure. Mm. And I think that me as a Maul fan, I really need that. I, I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. What in the world? I mean, I like Steven Stanton. I think he's a great voice actor. Uh-oh. I All of that. But what in the galaxy? Hmm. I, I, you're talking, of course, about Steven Stanton doing the voice of Obi-Wan rather than yep. James Arnold Taylor? Yep. Hmm. I'm confused. I'm pained i'm a bunch of things but i you know i do respect steven Stanton and everything that he does and i'm sure he's going to do the character incredible justice but i just i i, I don't get it yeah well it's worth mentioning that james actually yesterday put out a video on his youtube channel uh because a lot of people started asking the questions and everything and james knew about half a year ago that he wasn't going to be doing old ben and and he even said you know that he he knew the questions and stuff were coming. He stepped away from Twitter for a few days just because of all the questions and everything. And, um, you know, and he said, yeah, he's bummed, you know, that it didn't happen. And he's, he's trying to keep positive about it and everything. So, um, I, yeah, it, I was, I was surprised as well when I found out that it was Steven Stanton. Um, and, you know, I hope this doesn't bode negatively for, for James, in Star Wars, because James has been, and 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 the first thing that I noticed, if we're going to go down this road, let me just say, the first thing was, as much as I love Warwick Davis, that Warwick is the host of the main stage at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando, um, where typically that's been James for the past few celebrations. That's been James's mm-hmm. job, and and that caused me to raise my eyebrows. But I'm like, you know what? It's Warwick Davis and everything. What's really, you know, kind of distressing is James has been a great ambassador for Star Wars fandom. You know, the Star Wars weekends down at Disney, the Star Wars celebrations. Like, he's he kind of became, uh, for several years there, he became the face on stage. And 
And I've told him, you know, behind the scenes that that he and Mark Hamill just need to do a two man show. That between the two of those guys, they could just, you know, make money the rest of their lives touring and doing a two man show because they are just so they have such a cool chemistry together when they're on stage together. Um, so yeah, it's it is it's I guess it's just the nature of the beast. I don't you know I I don't know if we even want to get into the to to anything behind this i don't know you know what i'm saying like it's just it's really it's uh it's it's it is i'm I, i'm kind of in your camp Teresa, on that it, it's a it's yeah. a little bothersome yeah the only thing that i can you know liken it to although it doesn't really it's not really the same thing is thinking about what they're going to do with episode nine and carrie fisher um you know, recaster, you know, what? Mm-hmm. And I, and of course there's a ton of opinions on that. And I actually discussed that with my students today, but you know, James is alive. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? It's, yeah. It's, it's kind of, surprising. and I, and I wonder if it has something to do with Stanton's involvement several years ago in the pink five series, you know, where he basically played old Ben as a force ghost. And and tended to, and they just said, well, we've got Steven. Maybe it was just he was there on the day, and it's like, well, he's here. Let's just go ahead and get him to do this too. You know, I mean, it could be a million things where you know, just just one of those things that happened, and and it's unfortunate and it is sad. And because because James Arnold Taylor has been the the heart the carrier of that character for so long. So, um, but anyhow, moving away from that, I'm just I'm just gonna say that in like the two seconds that we heard old Ben's voice in the trailer, he sounded fantastic. He sounded like old. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounded like Alec Guinness. And so, and I didn't even know who was doing the voice. I'm just like, I, that sounds like old Ben. Yeah. I assume after the fact I found out. Yeah. I, I, was I, like, I oh, okay. Yeah. I assumed it was James until I heard that it was Stephen Stanton, you know? And so, and maybe they were just throwing him a bone for not letting him do Tarkin on rogue one. Who knows? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, but he was awesome as Radis. Yes, yeah, indeed. One of my favorite characters in Rogue yeah. One. Yep, indeed. I want that action figure. Oh, I remember something else that happens in the trailer. Yes. Sabine's mom and Darksaber and Kanan training her with the Darksaber. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, I am excited for that. Yeah. That I'm, is going to be amazing. I like I like the Darksaber stuff. I'm not super pumped about the Mandalorian stuff. Aaron, are you a Mandalorian guy? Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. I love them. So I'm excited to get more Mandalor- Mandalorians in this. I, I've always been excited to find out like Sabine's connection, and you know, and I we've gotten a little taste of that in previous episodes, but I think we're going to get a lot more of it in the season. So I, mm-hmm. I am excited about that stuff. I just the last time I, I, I go ahead, Eric. Sorry, no, go ahead, man. I was I was just going to say I love Kanan's line that, you know, if you're going to wield the sword, it's going to bring challengers. Hmm. Um, it's like it's a, wielding the the elder wand. Yeah, I'm just I'm really excited, and it it looks like we're gonna get those episodes pretty soon, like in the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I would I, imagine. I'm very excited to see what they're gonna do there. Well, now um, here's the thing: the last time I wasn't bored by a Mandalorian episode was like the the end episodes of the Clone Wars when Darth Maul was on Mandalorian stuff. I just a lot of the Mandalorian stuff has fallen way short for me, where I just I haven't enjoyed it, and so to see we're going back there and everything, it's not something that really lights my fire, and uh, and I know I'm kind of in the minority in Star Wars fandom on that, but that's just that's just me, that's just me. 
Nah, I don't think you're in the minority. I think that's kind of a 50-50 thing. Yeah. There's people love them, people hate them. It's, you know, but it's pretty even on both sides. There is uh I'm just I I'm excited because of the potential for Sabine. Mhm. And further growing her character, that's what has me most excited about it. The Mandalorian stuff, it's like, okay, that's the that's the vehicle that they're going to use to do this. I'm fine with that. But, you know, we've seen – it's like Teresa was just saying earlier that, you know, she didn't think a lot of Sabine in the first season and a half, but – now she's really grown and becoming one of her favorite characters. Like I kind of feel the same way, mm-hmm. and and I'm excited to see her get a big story like this and what they're going to do with the character. It also looks like all of Thrawn's plans are going to start to really come to fruition as well. Um, he is uh, he, there's actually scary moments with him um, in in this trailer where he's you know it's like he's just all the pieces he's been pushing are finally coming to where he wants them on the board. And, uh, you know, we see him actually in Ezra's old house at one point in the trailer. We see him, um, uh, walking out with, he has a, he has a, a little battalion of death troopers. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I, that's, I guess that's one of the things that I'm really excited about is to get back into the Thrawn stuff because Thrawn has been really, really impressive to me this season. He has an actual piece of Macquarie artwork in his gallery. Yes, yes, yep. That's pretty cool. That's a that's a great, um, nice little homage. Yes, there. great homage, great homage. And uh, you know, what we didn't do on this episode before we go, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're going to offer it up for uh, did did Ghost of Geonosis give anyone else any new Snoke theories perchance? Click clack. Click Clack is the Agus Snoke. The Agus Snoke. The Agus Snoke. I like that one. I just imagine Click Clack gets really uh, messed up and learns English and uh, and takes over the First Order. And says, my name is not actually Click Clack. It is Snoke. It is Snoke. That's right. My name is Snoke. And he becomes Snoke. So, well, that's it. Aaron, thanks for joining us, my friend. It's good to have you with us again. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Tell people about where they can find you and such as. Uh, this time I'm going to pitch my new podcast or newer podcast that I have called Star Scavengers. Oh, yeah? Which is a Lego Star Wars podcast. Shut your mouth. And I do that one with Jonah Marie Macias. Mm-hmm. And we have 13 episodes out there. In our most recent episode, we interview um, the creators of the Freemaker Adventures. Oh, nice. Um, so that was a really fun interview. So anyone that hasn't heard about that podcast, I'd love for you to check it out. It's are you a, guys are you guys reviewing toys on there as well, or are you just kind of talking about the Lego? We do a little bit stuff? of everything. The main focus is reviewing the episodes of the Freemaker Adventures, okay, but we have cool. done some Lego set reviews and um, some interviews as well. We actually have a um, a couple of really good interviews in our episodes. So I definitely would recommend people that are interested in such things to check it out. And the podcast, one more time, is called? It's called Star Scavengers. Okay, Star Scavengers. Arish, uh, at Darth Duff on Twitter, I, I know that we're looking forward to April and the release of Timothy Zahn's Thrawn novelization. Or novel. Oh, yeah. Um, I know I, we're, we're really stoked about that. And uh, Well, the, the Aftermath trilogy closes up in 
February. Oh, the third okay. Book, Empire's End comes out. Okay. So All right. That, that's fantastic, and I'm really excited for people to read it. And there's there's a lot of great stuff in it. Nice. So I did like in Life Dead. I like the the story of the liberation of Kashyyyk. So um, I thought that was some good stuff, and and intense as well. But so. there is definitely some interesting stuff that's going to happen in this one. That's going to have people talking and wondering what's going to what's to come. So. All right, nice. Very excited about it. Nice, nice. Uh, as I said, Eris is at Darth Duff. Check out Mile High Tundra. Football fans, we're we're rushing headlong toward that Super Bowl game, and Eris and Joe were covering every week. So check out Mile High Tundra over on the Goaliverse with those guys, uh, Teresa. Anything else you need? Anything you want to plug or, or throw out there before we go? Uh, good question. <laughs> well, sure, I think so. Galactic Fashion um, just recently did an interview with the head honcho of um, Hero Within, which is the first male-focused um, fandom clothing company. And they are focused on DC currently, and they have a really awesome Batman jacket and a Flash hoodie and some really cool stuff. Um, Their stuff is actually starting to show up in Box Lunch Stores, which is a sister store of Hot Topic. And the CEO of that company is super awesome, and so we did an interview with him. Also, on our next episode that's coming up, we interviewed the newest member of Team Jedi News. Her name is Joelle. Um, she's actually a ambassador, a youth ambassador for um, people who suffer with alopecia, and she talks about how to work in wigs and different types of hair accessories and things like that with your fashion. And it's just, it's she's really inspiring. I mean, she's one of those people who's like way younger than me but just and just like i'm like wow you've done more than i've done my whole life um so she's really awesome so that's going on and then of course um vault talk we're back we're going to be doing bolts um this week and we will explain why we're skipping meet the robinsons so that's right but we're looking forward to talking some bolt what a great movie oh heck yeah <laughs> uh let it begin all right, uh, and if you want to contact us, it's vaulttalk at gmail.com, vaulttalk at gmail.com. Teresa is at Ice Cold Penguin on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Steve Glosson. Don't forget about our Goliverse Facebook group, which you can get to by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. Make sure when you go and join up that you uh, once you're approved that you read the rules, you respond to that thread, and that way Teresa won't kick you out. Yep, and, there's about to be some people kicked out right now, actually, uh-oh. within the next couple of days. Oh, so no. make sure you go and acknowledge Come on, our people. rules. Come on, people, acknowledge the rules. <laughs> At least acknowledge them. Uh, don't forget, January 21st is our big Goliverse uh, Cure Childhood Cancer Marathon. We're teaming up with Cure. You can find out more about Cure at uh, curechildhoodcancer.org. And we'll be all day long podcasting as we've done for the past, this will be the third year in a row our goal is to raise $5,000 that day, and we look forward to uh, hopefully having a successful marathon uh, that day, and uh, we'll give you all the details of where you can give and that sort of thing the morning of. We'll begin at 10 a.m. Eastern with the Big Honkin' Show, and we'll roll from there. Speaking of the Big Honkin' Show, tune in on Sunday afternoons at 1440 WGIG out of Brunswick, Georgia. You can find it on the iHeartRadio app, and uh, there's a special Big Honkin' Show episode that airs there. Uh, it's back on terrestrial radio, and we couldn't be more excited about that. 
Uh, until next time, for Arish, for Aaron, for Teresa, I'm Steve Glosson, and we'll see you next time on Rebel Yell. May the Force, of course, be with you. <laughs>